energy so stalling, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree, we used to be so happy, we used to have everything we need. mentality where melanated people are connected in spirit love and community what's up kings and queens beautiful people everywhere it's your girl ck mcgee and i am your host hey there beautiful people how's everyone doing I pray that you're all doing as as well as you can be, right? Because sometimes it can be a little tough out there. Welcome to another episode of Village Mentality. Now, I'm so glad to have you all here with me in the village. You're welcome to join me each and every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'd also like to give a very warm welcome to those of you who may be tuning in for the very first time. Now, if you're looking to see just what Village Mentality is all about, then you're welcome to catch up on all previous episodes of Village Mentality on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, and The Awaken Lounge. And I'll also provide links to each episode on both Instagram and Facebook, and I'll share those with you at the end of the show. But thanks a bunch for tuning in. I appreciate you all. Now, as a mental health and wellness advocate with lived experience with mental health conditions, Each week, I'll be talking about different topics that could impact our mental health. And I am focused on BIPOC communities because as an African-American woman, I am extremely concerned about communities of color and their mental health. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with the acronym BIPOC, all right, it stands for people who identify as black, indigenous, and people of color, which encompass Latino communities, as well as Asian American Pacific Islanders. Now, at an event that we had this past weekend for BIPOC Mental Health Awareness Month, excuse me, let me say that correctly, for BB Moore BIPOC Mental Health Awareness Month, there was some discussion around the term Latinx. And I believe I've mentioned to you villagers before that there are terms that are going to be ever evolving. So stay tuned because I see that there is some, you know, uh, differences in opinion in terms of, you know, how uh, Latino communities want to be identified. And we, of course, are sensitive to that, right? Because your identity, it is very important, right? And so we want to make sure that we are identifying that, that community uh appropriately, right? Because there are various groups that are represented under that acronym. You can only imagine. And in fact, like I always encourage you, you know, do some research, you'll discover it. Now, as far as mental health is concerned, it really does not matter who you are or where you're from, because we can all be impacted. 
And that's something that we all must know and understand. Now, we may not all have mental illness, right? But we do all have mental health and we need to make sure that we're taking care of it. The purpose of this podcast is to bring awareness to the many different ways in which our mental health can be affected, showing that poor mental health outcomes, well, they're not always caused by chemical imbalance, but they can be caused from various stressors, trauma, or circumstances that we all face from time to time in our lives. Now, through education and advocacy by individuals such as yours truly, who have lived experience, and that's whether it's with mental health conditions or substance use. The hope is that we'll be able to show up in more effective ways to support all of those who are around us that may be suffering, all right? And through my advocacy, I'm working hard to destigmatize mental illness and to normalize the facilitation of conversations around our mental health. There's a lot of spaces I'm occupying these days, y'all. So that's what my mission is, to destigmatize mental illness and to just have conversations about our mental health, much in the same way that we talk about the weather or the Yankees. (laughs) I guess you can tell who I'm a fan of. Now, the stigma of mental illness, which is really important to understand, and conversations about mental health, they are much more difficult for marginalized and intersectional groups, all right? And it doesn't necessarily have to mean, you know, sort of like outside, you know, communities that are stigmatizing, although in the general population, we know that stigma exists. But what we're saying is within BIPOC communities, stigmatization is strong and it's actually a barrier to individuals accessing the mental health care and support and resources that they need. It's that strong. So it's important to understand that because it does, like I said, interfere with the ability for us to take care of our mental health as we should. Now, I'm a huge proponent of self-care and I think it's a very important tool. That's just my opinion. But I'm going to keep talking about it because I really am concerned that we're not understanding just how important the practice of self-care is. Right. I had a situation, speaking of self-care, because it comes in so many different forms, where I had a very uncomfortable discussion. Okay, this past week and it became pretty heated, pretty passionate. Okay, but unfortunately, I didn't necessarily maybe represent things in the way that I wanted to in that conversation. And fortunately, the other person felt the same way. Right. So we had an opportunity to revisit the conversation and talk. But at first, I had to do some work on me. I had to practice some form of self-care to process and to do the things that I needed to do to be present for that conversation in a much different way at a later time, right? So self-care can can come in many different forms. It doesn't have to just be about exercise and getting out into the fresh air, although those are two good ways of of practicing self-care. But my point is you can establish what self-care looks like for you. And that's what's important to do, right? Now, it's understandable that if you have just dealt with a crisis or you've been in distress, that self-care may not be something that's easy for you to do, but it's okay because it's not an automatic practice. It's something that happens over time. So the only thing that I ask is that you eventually make some time for it because it's really important, right? So a lot of people have been asking me, they've, they've been coming to me and they've been wondering themselves, 
what am I doing to take care of myself? Because they notice that I'm sort of like running around, not necessarily like a chicken with its head cut off, but that I'm fairly busy. And they're recognizing, you know, all the time and the energy that I'm pouring into others. And they just, again, want to make sure that I'm taking care of myself in the meantime. And I'm grateful to those of you who have approached and have been so kind to consider me. The truth is that even I have to be reminded, okay, to take care of myself. And I'm fortunate to have my person with me, my mom. And she's the person that that does that. But now there are some other people who I see are interested in wanting to remind me as well. So again, I'm so grateful for that. But you know, self-care really is for everyone. And we need to realize that it is about self-preservation. Now, kings and queens, come on. All the things that you do in your lives, right? To take care of everything else and everyone else that matters to us. We have to stop allowing ourselves and others to cause us to feel guilty for taking some time to take care of ourselves. Because truth be told, all right, at the end of the day, guess who benefits? those same people. They are the ones that benefit from you taking time to take care of yourself. So check in with your needs and live each day in a way that protects your mental health because it's an integral part of your total health and well-being. Self-care, it helps us to rejuvenate our spirits and souls so that we can continue to be the fantabulous, okay, fantabulous kings and queens that we most definitely are. Now, If you've heard the show before, then you know good and well that there's going to be plenty of music too. I couldn't do a show without music, beautiful people. So tonight, I thought that we could listen to the music of some of the most, you know, the most popular R&B groups of the 80s. Yeah, there's just something about that decade for me. I love soft rock too. So I hope that you'll sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, without further ado... I believe that it's time for me to take my first walk of the evening to my musical jukebox. Village, our first song of the evening, is a ballad by this R&B pop group. Now, I've always referred to them as my generation's temptations. That's just me. Nobody else has said that. (laughs) Now, this was the third single from their fifth studio album, Heartbreak. Now, you know how relationships can be, you know, they can be all peachy keen and that's when everything is going well and there doesn't seem to be any issues in sight. Right. But what about those days when things are not so peachy? What do you do then? Well, New Edition would like to know, can you stand the rain? Now, I know that I can. What about you, Village? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that's not possible Tell me, can you ever restore
That was R&B group Climax with their hit single, I Miss You, from their fourth album, Meeting in the Ladies' Room, released in 1984. It reached number five on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart, number two on New Zealand's Singles Chart, and number one on the Canadian RPM Top Singles Chart. Now, despite peaking at number five in the U.S., it was ranked at number three on the year-end Billboard chart for 1986, mainly because of its run on the pop chart, which lasted for 29 weeks. Well, Village, you know me. I'd like to take a little bit of time to talk about some things, whether it be about current events, entertainment, or something that's just on my mind. So why don't we get into my segment called Let's Talk About It. Now, Village, there are different kinds of abuse. Unfortunately, one form of abuse that we may tend to overlook is emotional abuse. Now, I'm not certain that people are aware, you know, of the damage that emotional abuse causes, even though the scars cannot be seen. Best be believing it does mean, okay, that there are scars, there is pain, there is damage, all right? So let's talk about the signs and red flags of emotional abuse. Now, you know me, Village. I always want to make sure that we know what it is that we're actually talking about. So emotional abuse involves controlling another person by using emotions to criticize, embarrass, shame, blame, or otherwise manipulate them. Now, while most common in dating and married relationships, mental or emotional abuse can occur in any relationship, including among friends, family members, and coworkers. Now, in general, a relationship is emotionally abusive when there is a consistent pattern of abusive words and bullying behaviors that wear down a person's self-esteem and that undermines their mental health. Now, the underlying goal of emotional abuse is to control the other person by discrediting, isolating, and silencing them. What a person, huh? Like, how many of you, just from what I said alone, can relate to that? Hmm? You probably didn't even realize that it was emotional abuse, did you? It is one of the hardest forms of abuse to recognize, as it can be subtle and insidious. But it can also be overt and manipulative. Either way, emotional abuse can chip away at your self-esteem and you can begin to doubt your perceptions and reality. In the end, you may feel trapped. Emotionally abused people are often too wounded to endure the relationship any longer, but also too afraid to leave. So the cycle repeats itself until something is done. So you may be wondering if you, or maybe someone that you know, is currently experiencing emotional abuse. All right. So if you are, then let's talk about the signs that we should look for. There are several red flags of emotional abuse. And keep in mind that even if your partner, parent, coworker, or friend only does a handful of these versus, you know, I guess what, not doing them at all, your relationship with them is still emotionally abusive, right? So if you can only say out of this list, like, oh, okay, well, there's only like one thing, maybe two, three, 
Well, that already indicates that there's emotional abuse involved. That's what that's saying. All right. So, you know, I have been somebody, I think, that has witnessed emotional abuse and also who has been a part of it. So it was interesting for me as I was like, you know, preparing for this episode, reading this information. I was like, wow. Okay. Um, And I realized it's nothing to be ashamed and embarrassed about. I think it's just better to know. And that's what I'm here to like help us all know some things that maybe someone else won't tell you. Right. Now, it's extremely hard to detect the signs. And if you're having trouble discerning whether your relationship is abusive, think about how your interactions make you feel, right? Maya Angelou, didn't she say something like, you know, people might forget what you said, but they'll always remember how you make them feel, okay? So think about how your interactions make you feel. If you feel wounded, frustrated, confused, misunderstood, depressed, anxious, or worthless, any time that you interact with the other person, chances are high that your relationship is emotionally abusive. Also, don't fall into the trap of telling yourself that, uh, it's you know what, it's not that bad, right? We end up minimizing the other person's behavior, making excuses for them. Everyone deserves to be treated with kindness and respect, including, including, what am I about to say, village? You, okay? You deserve to be treated with kindness and respect, So realizing this can help you stop the emotional abuse cycle. Another piece to consider when talking about emotional abuse is the unrealistic expectations that the other person places on you. So here are some examples of that. They're making unreasonable demands, expecting you to put everything aside in order to meet their needs, demanding that you spend all your time together, being dissatisfied no matter how hard you try or how much you give, criticizing you for not completing tasks according to their standards, expecting you to share their opinions because you're not permitted to have a different opinion, right? I mean, heaven forbid you have your own mind and you actually think, no, no, not for the emotionally abusive person. And they're always demanding that you name exact dates and times Whenever you're discussing things that upset you, and when you're not able to do this, then they may dismiss the event as if it never happened. So you didn't go into this relationship thinking that you had to create a court case, did you? Now me, on the other hand, that's what I do all day, every day. (laughs) Everything's a court case to me. When I think about conversations and how people behave or don't behave or what have you, I'm at the ready. I don't have to write anything down. I remember it. (laughs) So if they're requiring you, though, to like write it down and what day was it? Was it Monday, January 6th at 2.03 p.m. and that substantiates it for them? First of all, they're being over the top and they're doing too much. But that's a form. That's something that you need to look out for. Right invalidating you that's another sign all right that someone may be emotionally abusive if they're constantly invalidating you and some examples of what that looks like is undermining or dismissing or even distorting your perceptions of your reality that is infuriating I just want to say from a personal point of view it's infuriating I've experienced that or refusing to accept your feelings by trying to define how you should feel nobody should be telling you how you should feel Your feelings are feelings. While they may not be facts, as some people might say, based on what your feelings are about, 
Those feelings are facts to you. So do not allow anyone to dismiss your feelings. And guess what? You're allowed to feel your feelings. All right. Process them, work through them and, and, and deal with those things. But no one is allowed to tell you, you know, how you feel, how you don't feel or how you should feel. Now, requiring you to explain how you feel over and over again, that's just simply annoying. I don't even have patience for that, honestly. Why do I have to keep telling you over and over again? Because you want to see if I say the same exact words every single time I said it, and now it's the fifth time I'm telling you. You just want to make sure that I have everything. Come on now, stop it. You're doing too much. Accusing you of being too sensitive, too emotional, or crazy. Yet, if you did the same thing to them, trust me, they would not like it. Trust me. How about refusing to acknowledge or accept your opinions or ideas as valid? Dismissing your requests, wants, and needs as ridiculous or unmerited. Suggesting that your perceptions are wrong or that you cannot be trusted by saying things like, you're blowing this out of proportion or you're just over-exaggerating. Have you guys heard that? (laughs) Or how about accusing you of being selfish needy or materialistic if you express express your wants or needs you know the expectation is that you should not have any wants or needs because you're spending all your time living up and and making sure that that, that they have their wants and needs okay you, you we're not talking about you i remember somebody used to tell me that all the time we're not talking about you or you know we're not or, or, or we're just not no 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 see you you need to maybe call back and talk about, you know, what you're upset about in another conversation. But they'll be talking about something that bothers them that's really piggybacking off of what bothered me about that. You know what I'm trying to say? So they vary, they, they, they use a lot of manipulation. They totally do. How about creates chaos? Do you have somebody around you that just whenever you're around them, you don't feel at peace? I don't have to be in like a romantic relationship with some with, with anybody. I, just in general, people who are not at peace with themselves are usually not peaceful. So when they are around you, yeah, you can always feel that energy. But emotionally abusive people, they tend to create chaos. And so some of the red flags, they'll start arguments for the sake of arguing. They have nothing better to do, apparently. They'll make confusing and contradictory statements, sometimes called crazy-making. Almost seems similar to gaslighting. Having drastic mood changes or sudden emotional outbursts, nitpicking at your clothes, your hair, work, and more. And their behavior is so erratic and unpredictable that you feel like you're walking on eggshells. Right? Nobody wants to live like that. Nobody. They will also use emotional blackmail. So if someone tries to use this against you, it's definitely a sign of emotional abuse. And examples of it, manipulating, controlling you by making you feel guilty, giving you a guilt trip, humiliating you in public or in private, using your fears, values, compassion, or other hot buttons to control you or the situation, exaggerating your flaws or pointing them out in order to deflect attention or to avoid taking responsibility for their own poor choices or mistakes. That is definitely one beautiful people I've lived through. You know, I'd like to talk to you about something. I was really upset by something that you did the other day. You said something that just really rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, Oh, well, you know, I mean, look who's talking. (laughs) That's the pot calling the kettle black. I mean, because like five years ago, okay? (laughs) And you're just kind of looking at them like, really, dude? Like, I can't even, so I can't talk to you about this? But yet we're supposed to be able to talk about everything. You know, the contradiction, okay? Okay. 
<sighs> they'll even deny that the event took place or they'll lie about it. They'll punish you by withholding affection or give you the silent treatment. All of a sudden, are you getting ghosted on the phone, right? You call, no answer, you text, no reply, none of that? Okay. Now, some other signs of emotional abuse, all right, is when the other person acts superior to you or controls and isolates you. There are a lot of people out there with a superiority complex, a, a God complex, I like to call it. They think they're the smartest people in the room. They think they have all the answers and they're never quite satisfied until they can find somebody that will say, I'm right. See, see, I have to go dig, but I'm right. Even though all these people over here said one thing, I've got to go find somebody who's going to say that I'm right. And that way I can feel better. Not that I should grow and understand why you all feel the way that you do. No, no, no. At the end of the day, I'm right. To wrap things up on this subject, beautiful people, we're going to talk about the different types of emotional abuse. Accusations of cheating. Constant checking on or attempting to control the other person's behavior. Constantly arguing or opposing. Criticizing. There goes that word. Gaslighting. Isolating the individual from their family and friends. Name calling. Verbal abuse. Refusing to participate in the relationship. Shaming or blaming. Silent treatment. Trivializing uh, the other person's concerns. And withholding affection and attention. So just in case you ever wonder, well, what's the difference between, you know, emotional abuse and just kind of like the normal everyday conflict that comes along with any part of a relationship, right? But, you know, if you're feeling bullied, disrespected, belittled, insulted, or dismissed, yeah, that's not normal conflict, all right? Those are signs that it has crossed into the line of emotional abuse. And the impact, again, of emotional abuse is just as severe as physical abuse, except instead of physical marks and bruises, your wounds are invisible to others, but they'll be hidden in self-doubt, worthlessness, and self-loathing. And what's more, emotional abuse can cause a number of health problems like mental health effects, you know, like depression, anxiety, and sometimes the development of an eating disorder, or as they refer to it these days, disordered eating. And I can tell you, depression, absolutely. I really had to look at the people who were in my life who were emotional, uh, emotionally abusive, and I had to take out some very big scissors, and they no longer are here. And the depression has not been as severe as I've experienced it. <gasps> Imagine that. And guess what? I'm not even taking a medic any kind of medication. I'm not. I'm making decisions in how I manage my mental health. Your situation may be different. But one of the things that I ask you, even if you're on medication, that's fine. Don't get it twisted. I'm never going to tell anybody what to do as far as that's concerned. But take a look at who's around you. Take a look at the energy around you. It makes a huge difference. And so if there are some changes that you need to make, don't be afraid to make them, especially not for the sake of your mental health. Now, some helpful tips for dealing with emotional abuse. You got to make yourselves a priority village. Establish boundaries. A lot of people don't like the word boundaries. And usually the people who don't like the words boundaries are the ones that are forever crossing them. I have no respect for them. You got to stop blaming yourself and you got to realize that you can't fix this person. So you got to avoid engaging them. And then build a support network. 
Now, I always say that there's a lot of people in your circle. Everybody that you meet, everybody that you encounter is in your circle. But who is in your corner? You know that little space in the corner? It's a small little space. So it might just be one or two people, but it can make a world of difference. All right? And work on an exit plan. If it's gotten to that point where you feel like you need to, please, 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 please do that. Village, when you're healing from emotional abuse, it takes time. And it is important for you to know that. So taking care of yourself, reaching out to your supportive loved ones, talking to a therapist, if that's what you want to do, all of those things can help. All right? Here's to brighter days. Kings and queens, it's time to talk about black history because black history is history. And it's not only important for us to learn about it, but we also must be willing to teach others about it as well. There's so much to know and to share that it's not all about, you know, the bad things that have happened, right? But there's a lot of things that we've contributed to this country as well. And here at Village Mentality, I'm committed to talking about black history all year round. So on this day in black history, novelist, essayist, and playwright James Baldwin was born on August 2nd, 1924 in Harlem, New York. Baldwin's work is best known for its critical explorations of race relations in America, along with themes of sexuality and religion. Baldwin became a preacher at age 14, but after graduating high school and moving out of the strict confines of his parents' home, he moved to New York's Greenwich Village and immersed himself in the city's literary culture. With the help of friend Richard Wright, Baldwin secured a grant in 1948 that allowed him to move to France and write his first novel, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Some of his most acclaimed works include his play, The Amen Corner, and book-length essay, The Fire Next Time. Baldwin died on December 1st, 1987, in southern France. And that, beautiful people, is Black History Wednesday. Oh, 
was American band Cool and the Gang with Cherish. Now, beautiful people, there are many well-known songs, I mean a plethora of songs, that we all know and love from Cool and the Gang. And this song in particular was released by them in 1985, and it was the third single released from the band's 16th studio album, Emergency. It was certified gold and held the number one position on Billboard's adult contemporary chart for six weeks running. It would ultimately rank as the biggest adult contemporary chart hit of the 1980s. Written by Allie Willis and Danny Sembello, this next song was introduced by this group of sisters on their 1983 album, Breakout. The song became a top 10 hit in 1985. It's really, it really blew up actually Village by being prominently featured on the soundtrack of the motion picture film Beverly Hills Cop. You remember that opening scene? Well, you think about it while listening to the Pointer Sisters with their hit Neutron Dance. And when we come back, I will get into today's topic. Stop and get away Call 
Okay, kings and queens, so this evening I'd like to talk with you about common signs and symptoms of depression. Let me start by saying, 
that I am someone who lives with mental health, you know, uh, uh, conditions and I manage them on a daily basis. Right. So I'm a witness that whatever it is that you're living with recovery, it is possible. Nothing is cookie cut. And we never want to assume that everyone experiences things in the same way, because the truth is it can vary. As always, let's first talk about depression and what it is. All right. Depression, which is also known as major depression, major depressive disorder, or clinical depression, is a common but serious mood disorder. It causes severe symptoms that affect how a person feels, thinks, and handles daily activities, such as sleeping, eating, or working. To be diagnosed with depression, the symptoms must be present for at least two weeks. There are different types of depression, some of which develop due to specific circumstances. Major depression includes symptoms of depressed mood or loss of interest most of the time for at least two weeks and that interfere with daily activities. Persistent depressive disorder, which is also called dysthymia or dysthymic disorder, consists of less severe symptoms of depression that lasts much longer, usually for at least two years. Perinatal depression is depression that occurs during or after pregnancy. And it's a depression that begins during pregnancy, you know, um, I guess it's called prenatal depression as well, but there's perinatal and prenatal depression. And then the depression that begins after the baby, that's postpartum depression. So that's three different ones right there. See, perinatal, prenatal, postpartum. I think everybody is familiar with postpartum depression. There's also seasonal affective disorder, which is a depression that comes and goes with the seasons, with symptoms typically starting in the late fall, in early winter and going away during the spring and summer. Although, beautiful people, village, I have to let you know, it can happen during the spring and fall too. Because your circadian rhythm, you know, your inner your inner clock, it's involved. So when we change the time, okay, it has an impact on us. And so pay attention. If you start feeling disinterested, if you start feeling like you have a loss of appetite, you're having trouble sleeping, pay attention to those things. There's also depression with symptoms of psychosis, which is a severe form of depression in which a person experiences psychosis symptoms such as delusions, disturbing or false fixed beliefs, hallucinations, hearing or seeing things that others do not hear or see. And are people who live with bipolar disorder, which was formerly called manic depression or manic depressive illness, they also experience depressive episodes during which they feel sad, indifferent, or hopeless, combined with a very low activity level. But a person with bipolar disorder also experiences mania or less severe hypomania. Now these episodes or unusually elevated moods in which they might feel very happy, irritable, or up, it has a marked increase in activity level. So beautiful people. Now that we have an idea of what depression is, which by the way, is one of the most common known mental health conditions, let's talk about the signs and symptoms, shall we? Now, if you've been experiencing some of the following signs and symptoms most of the day, nearly every day for at least two weeks, you may be suffering from depression. I'm not here to diagnose anyone. I'm here to give you the information so that you can pay attention to yourself. There's a lot going on in our world, in our families, 
in our relationships, right? At the workplace, we're still, you know, feeling, or I should say reeling, right? From the impact of COVID-19 and all the changes that came along with it as well. So if you're feeling persistent sadness or anxiousness, an empty mood, feelings of hopelessness or pessimism, feelings of irritability, frustration, or restlessness, feelings of guilt, worthlessness, or helplessness, loss of interest or pleasure in hobbies and activities. If you're noticing a decreased energy, fatigue, or feeling slowed down, difficulty concentrating, concentrating, which is something that sometimes will happen with me, right? How about remembering or making decisions? Those can be some symptoms. Difficulty sleeping, you're waking up early in the morning, or you're oversleeping, you might experience changes in your appetite or unplanned weight changes. Physical aches or pains, headaches, cramps, digestive problems that do not have a clear physical cause and do not go away with treatment. And this is something that's very important, village. If you're having thoughts of death or suicide, or if you have suicide attempts, if you have a history of suicide attempts, Not everyone who's depressed, though, experiences every single one of these symptoms. Some people may experience only a few, while others experience many of those symptoms. Symptoms associated with depression interfere with day-to-day functioning and cause significant distress for the person who's experiencing them. Now, depression can also involve other changes in your mood or behavior, and they include, again, increased anger and irritability. I think that's really important. Feeling restless or on edge, becoming withdrawn, negative or detached. Increased engagement in high-risk activities, greater impulsivity. Increased use of alcohol or substances. You find yourself isolating from friends and family, just not wanting to be bothered anymore. An inability to meet the responsibilities of work and family or ignoring other important roles and having problems with sexual desire and performance. All of these things matter. And depression, it can look different for both men and women. Although men, women, and people of all genders can feel depressed, it's how they express those symptoms and behaviors, you know, that they use to cope. Maybe they they cope in different ways. That's really what it's about, right? For example, some men, and maybe as well as women, may show symptoms other than sadness. Instead, seeming angry or irritable. Maybe you might see that more with with men, they're saying, but it's possible that you'll see it with women as well, right? They just want to cover all their bases. And although increased use of alcohol or drugs, you know, substance use can be a coping strategy for any person with depression, men may be more likely to use alcohol or substances, you know, drugs to help them cope. And in some cases, mental health symptoms appear as physical problems. For example, if you have a racing heart, tightened chest, ongoing headaches or digestive issues. Men are often more likely to see a healthcare provider about these physical symptoms than their emotional ones. And because depression tends to make people think more negatively about themselves and the world, some people may also have thoughts of suicide or self-harm. Now, several persistent uh, symptoms, in addition to low mood. Well, they're required for a diagnosis of depression. But people with only a few symptoms may also benefit from treatment. The severity and frequency of symptoms, 
and how long they last will vary depending on the person, the illness, and the stage of the illness. So if you experience signs or symptoms of depression and they persist or do not go away, talk to someone, please. Talk to a healthcare provider, a mental healthcare provider. And if you see signs or symptoms of depression in someone that you know, encourage them too to seek support, right? Now, I also cannot leave without saying this. If you know someone who's struggling or having thoughts of suicide, please encourage them to call or text, or you can call for them, 988. And that's the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, right? You can also chat. You can do a chat, all right, at 988lifeline.org. And they also recommend, and this is, again, something that I really personally feel like you just want to think about first, just because training is something that's ongoing in life-threatening situations, you want to call 911 if you feel that you want their presence there. But be careful in terms of, you know, managing the situation so that we can have the best possible outcome, right? There was a time of day village where I didn't think I'd see the light of day. I did not feel that there was any hope or that my life was going to change. I was just ready to give up. The village, I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't do that because there's so much work to be done. And I've been called to help with our collective healing process. There are so many who just need someone to actively listen because they have a lot on their hearts and minds. And I really feel privileged to do this spirit work, this purposed work. And I pray that I can provide the support needed to help, you know, to help someone to have the life that they desire and deserve. Having a mental health condition does not mean that it has to be the end of your life. Not at all. If you know someone who's struggling, learn how you can give effective support. Don't just sit back and wait for somebody else to do it. I know somebody like that in my life who will sit back and wait for somebody else to do something. Now remember, it's always important to meet a person where they're at and not where you think they should be. Okay? Here's to brighter days.
That was Sade with Smooth Operator, which is from their debut studio album, Diamond Life, which was released in 1984. The song became Sade's first top 10 entry in the U.S., peaking at number five on the Billboard Hot 100 for two weeks in May of that same year. Excuse me, in May of 1985. Now, it spent 13 weeks in the top 40, and it also topped the Billboard Adult Contemporary chart for two weeks. Now, although Your Love is King, which is another, oh, Sade was something else, right? She is something else, not was, she is. It remains Sade's highest peaking single in the UK to date, but Smooth Operator is the band's breakthrough single on the US charts, and it's their most successful single internationally. And it was followed by Let's Groove, right? By American band Earth, Wind, and Fire, honey. It was released as the first single from their 11th studio album, Rays, in 1981. It's written by Maurice White and and Wayne Vaughn. Sorry, Wayne, didn't mean to butcher your name. And it was also produced by Maurice. May he rest in peace. Now, the song was a commercial success and was the band's highest charting single in various territories. It peaked inside the top 20 in countries including the U.S., New Zealand, United Kingdom, Canada, and on other charts here in America. Now, in 1979 and really the early 1980s, there was a severe backlash against disco music. I don't understand why. But in spite of this, the band decided to revive the disco sound that was included on their previous works and later records. Musically, Let's Groove is post-disco <laughs> pop and funk. All right, which includes the instruments of uh, synthesizers and keyboards, along with a live electric guitar. But that's what made Earth, Wind, and Fire. Earth, Wind, and Fire, right? All right, beautiful people, it's time for this week's inspirational story. And the name of the story is called To Love and to Be Loved. It's kind of a short one this week. Here goes. A very poor man lived with his wife. One day, his wife, who had very long hair, asked him to buy her a comb for her so that she could, you know, groom her hair so she can comb it and everything, right? So the man felt really sorry, and he had to say no. And he explained that he didn't even have enough money to fix the strap of his watch that he had just broken. She did not insist on her request. Okay, she was understanding. Now, the man went to work and he passed by a watch shop. He sold his damaged watch at a very low price and went to buy a comb for his wife. He came home in the evening with the comb in his hand, ready to give it to his wife. But he was surprised when he saw his wife with a very short haircut. She had sold her hair and was holding a new watch band. Tears flowed simultaneously from their eyes, not for the futility of their actions, but for the reciprocity of their love. Mm, 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 village. Now, what's the moral of the story? To love is nothing. To be loved is something. But to love and to be loved by the one that you love Well, now, that's everything.
precious than silver, more precious than diamond rings or anything that I could give. It wouldn't mean a thing if you didn't have my love beside you there to guide you through. But ain't it good to know you do? I know just how. That was Atlantic Star with Always. The track was the second single from the group's seventh studio album, All in the Name of Love, released in 1987. The single was the biggest hit for Atlantic Star. It peaked at number one on both the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and Billboard 
Hot Black Singles charts in June of 1987, being the band's only number one song. And it was followed by Time Will Reveal by DeBarge. Now, the song was released in September of 83 as the first single off the group's third album in a special way on the Gordy label. It was also the group's biggest hit prior to the group's 1985 hit, Rhythm of the Night. Well, kings and queens, it looks like we've come to the end of another show. I do hope that the information provided will be of help to you. Remember, it's always a good idea to do your own research, no matter what the topic is, especially if your life is involved. It is both a pleasure and always an honor to be here in the village with you guys each and every week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I look forward to being with you all again here in the village and every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, please be sure to follow Village Mentality on Instagram at villagementality.ckm, as in Mary, and on Facebook at Village Mentality, the podcast. You can also catch all episodes of Village Mentality on Spotify. And if you listen on Spotify, please follow, like, all right? And for those of you who don't have Spotify, you can download it on your um, iPhone and Android. Please feel free to do that. You can also find it on Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, and again, I provide links both on Instagram at villagementality.ckm and Facebook at Village Mentality the Podcast. You can also listen to this um, at theawakenlounge.com backslash village hyphen mentality. And just remember that God has got me and he's got you too. Be blessed, beautiful people, and here's to brighter days. She's so stale in the air. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree. We used to be so happy. We used to have everything we need. Yeah, wow.